As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Wendy. And I'm Jess, and you're listening to the Food Heaven Podcast. Your online resource for inclusive and accessible wellness. Welcome to a new episode of the Food Heaven Podcast. We have a great guest for you today, and this is actually something that I'm very passionate about. I always talk about if I wasn't a dietitian, I would be a real estate agent. And if I wasn't a real estate agent, I would be a matchmaker. Um, Wendy, can you attest to my matchmaking skills? Absolutely. You're really good. Thanks. Anything else? <laughs> I haven't had any personal success yet, or I mean, I at tried. this point, <laughs> but she has tried a few times and they've been some solid matches. And I, I can definitely tell that you're very passionate about it. I am very passionate about it. More passionate about matching other people than like the work that I should be doing. I'm like, why am I focusing on <laughs> like, even after this episode, I sent a voice note to my sister-in-law and I was like oh my god you have to work with this matchmaker she's amazing like this is what she offers so the person that we are interviewing today is Tanisha Wood and she's a dating coach matchmaker the founder of the Broomless, which is the first and only matchmaking firm dedicated to pairing black professionals this is part of our relationship series where we're diving into all things love connection monogamy. We're talking about all the things this month. In her coaching and matchmaking practice, Tanisha acts as a mentor, strategist, and cheerleader to help successful Black singles understand and remove the barriers that have gotten in the way of attracting the love they desire. She has been everywhere. I've seen interviews of her on Good Morning America, The Today Show, New York Times, and this was just a really great conversation. We left everything on the table. So we get into the state of dating today, whether the internet makes dating better or worse, colorism within the black community and how that affects dating and what she has seen in her work as a matchmaker. We also talk about the concept of it being harder for black women when it comes to love and what she is finding from her research and her experience. We talked about the amount of effort that you should consider putting into finding love if you are someone who is looking to be in a serious relationship. We learn about Tanisha's matchmaking process. And when I tell you it is very intense and involves going to someone's house and making sure everything adds up, <laughs> making sure they are who they say they are, vetting them with their friends. We get more into the details about that. And as well as Tanisha's advice for people who are looking for love, what's one thing that they can do to start preparing for a first date? Yeah, it's such a great episode. 
For this month, we're going to be doing a series of giveaways. First of all, these giveaways are doing really well. They are. <laughs> like, so many people are, are entering. So thank you all for like sharing the episodes and participating in the giveaways that we're doing. Y'all are very engaged. We figured that since it's February is Black History Month, we thought it would be great to do some Black-owned products for this month. And for this week's episode, we are going to be giving away Ezra Coffee, which is a black owned slow roasted coffee company. They have beautiful branding with Adinkra symbols. They pride themselves on being a specialty coffee brand that connects coffee, culture and history with every blend. You can learn more about them at EzraCoffeeCo.com. To enter this week's giveaway, all you have to do is share the episode on your IG stories, on your feed, take a screenshot when you're listening to it. Make sure you tag us so that we know that you shared the episode and that's it. And it'll go into our DMs. You'll be automatically entered. We'll be picking winners and then we'll get your address so we can mail you your gift. Yeah. And we will the following week let you know who won. So we're always going to announce who won on our story. So be on the lookout for that. Also, if you are a brand who has something that you want to give away, send us an email at foodheavenpr at gmail.com because we are going to be giving away stuff for every single episode. Now, you guys know that we love to read a listener review. And by the way, thank you to all of you who left reviews this week. We got a great amount of reviews, which was amazing. This review is from NADM Money Sign, and they write impactful. This podcast is so educational and has really helped me make meaningful changes in my life. Grateful for y'all. Thank you for that really kind review. We appreciate it so much. And as y'all know, the reviews help us reach more people and we appreciate everybody who is sharing this podcast. It has been incredible with helping us grow. I just did the calculations yesterday and our podcast is at like 4.2 million downloads so far. And by the time this airs, probably well into 5 million downloads. So thank you. That is all because of you all sharing the pod and being incredibly engaged. All right, we're going to jump into the episode. Let's talk about the state of dating today. Do you feel like online dating has made things better or worse in general? I think that online dating has actually made things better because it's just provided more access to people that you would have never otherwise met. I saw in some interviews that you mentioned the fear of dating again. You called it FODA. And that people mm -hmm. were kind of rusty after the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think after spending, how long even was the pandemic? Like two years? I think it's, yes. I mean, it's still happening. But after spending two years in the house, you're in your sweats, you're working from home, you weren't really having the same types of interactions. You weren't going out to bars, you weren't being social. And so when people were ready to get back out there, there was this natural fear of, you know, not only how do I approach people, how do I talk to people, but, you know, do we hug now? Am I supposed to wear a mask now? Is this a handshake? Like, so it added this extra level of just discomfort and fear when it came to just human interaction that we've all been used to on a certain level. So it wasn't even so much about dating, but we're like in this new post COVID phase, how do we interact? And then you add the dating layer, of course, on top of there, and it, you know, makes it all the more nerve wracking. 
taking a quick pause to shout out our podcast partner this week, Newly. I am obsessed with this brand. I was introduced via the Food Heaven podcast, and now I've become a customer. I have a subscription for myself. For those of you who are not familiar with the brand, Newly is a subscription clothing rental service, and for just $88 a month, you get to choose six styles to rent for whatever it is that you have going on. Throughout the pandemic, I was mostly just wearing like sweaters and sweats, pajamas, and I feel like that's kind of carried on, especially because I work from home. And so getting dressed to go out to special gatherings, events, professional things, it can be overwhelming. I get a little bit of anxiety because I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to wear? I feel like nothing fits anymore. My style has changed in the past few years. And so I absolutely love this because with Newly, I have access to thousands of styles from more than 300 brands like Free People, Love Shack Fancy, Anthropology. There's a range of different sizes from petite to 5X plus. There's also maternity it's so much more sustainable than buying stuff that I'll only wear once, which is something that happens time and time again. My closet is filled with things that I'm like, oh, I'm going to wear that one day. And then, you know, it just kind of sits there and it never gets worn. I also love that they're super flexible. There's no late fees. There's no damage fees. And you have the option to pause or cancel at any time, which is exactly what I need. I actually have a trip coming up to Mexico City. And for those of you that have been to Mexico City, you know, it's a very fashionable place. There's so much color, so much inspiration. And I was like, damn, now I got to buy clothes for this trip. With Newly, I don't even have to think about that. I've already been bookmarking like all the different items that I'm going to take on my trip. And the nice thing is that I get to come back. And if I want to buy the items because I love them, I can. Otherwise, I could just return them and they even wash them for you. So if you're like me and you want more style, flexibility and sustainability, you need Newly. Get $20 off your first month when you sign up with the code FOODHEAVEN20. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com newly with two U's and then enter our code FOODHEAVEN20 to get $20 off your first month. Newly, more life in your clothes. I want to circle back to the state of dating because <laughs> just from like personal experience and like what I've heard from people, it seems like there's more options but then there really isn't because I don't know it's like people tend to like easily disregard so many potential candidates online because there's this culture of aesthetics being a priority and they're just being so many fish in the sea because you have access to so many people but then mm -hmm. I don't know I feel like maybe you don't put as much energy into like getting to know you know a few key people it's just like all right I'm just gonna keep swiping and keep swiping what are your thoughts on that because that's a struggle that I've had with online dating in the past mm -hmm. so that phenomenon is called the paradox of choice where when we are given too many choices we naturally forego or pass on more of those choices because we believe there is an endless bucket of options. And so if we knew there was only, you know, five options, we wouldn't swipe by so fast. We would say, all right, let me legitimately examine these five options and see which of these five are the best. But as you know, you can spend all day swiping if you wanted to. So I think we have to remember that these are people behind these profiles. These are genuine, legitimate people with lives, families, hopes, dreams. It's not just this avatar behind a screen. 
And I think, again, based on the endless sea of options, we've gotten used to this. It's not real. It's almost like playing Candy Crush, right? And so I think when we come at it like that, where we think this is a person, this is a person who could potentially be the person I end up with and treat it with a little bit more care, I think that starts to shift our mindset a bit. And I also think that a lot of people experience this burnout and that's when they start to treat it like that. So it's like, you really have to limit your time that you're doing this as well. So if you're just going on there every day and you're aimlessly swiping, like you get burnt out, you start to think of it as a game. Whereas if you go on there and you know what you're looking for before you even get on the app to swipe, it makes it so much easier and you set a limit, right? So today I'm going to swipe, you know, through 20 people, or I'm going to swipe for an hour. And these are the things that I'm looking for. You know, it's so tempting to just look at the photo, think I'm interested or uninterested, and then swipe, right? Without sometimes even reading anything that that person wrote. But think about it the same way you would if you were on an actual date, like what sorts of things would you want to know about this person? What are you looking for? You're not, you're not just going to go on a date with somebody, look at them and be like, there's nothing else I need to know. (laughs) That's it. And so I think if we started treating this a little bit more like we would an in-person interaction, it would help with that. Yeah, exactly. Just humanize people because it's, I agree, it is kind of like a candy crush or like, you know, you're like, oh, I'm bored. Let me do some swipes. And it kind of becomes uh, dating has become a lot of that. And so Mm -hmm. it's almost like you have to be really intentional about like, okay, when I go in there, these are just some things that I'm going to keep in mind just Mm -hmm. to really humanize that person and give them a fair shot too. Yeah. And do you know, most people, I think that on average, Most people look at a profile for less than six seconds before deciding which way to swipe. They spend a little more time when they think it's somebody that they don't want to go out Mm. with. They'll spend a little more time and dig a little bit deeper. But if it's somebody they do, they decide right away. (laughs) And then if somebody don't, they might read a little bit and then swipe. But on average, it's like less than six seconds that we're actually spending on these profiles. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about matchmaking because. You know, that's an option, too. It's an option I couldn't afford when I was dating. (laughs) I wish I could have. You're the founder of The Broomlist, which is the first and only matchmaking dedicated to paying Black professionals. Tell us what the process of matchmaking looks like. Is it, do you think, more effective than going the online dating route? How did you get into it? Yeah, I think it definitely is a more intentional route. Part of that is that it's an investment. And so people do pay for the service. And because of that, I think, you know, they have more skin in the game and they put more into it. Right. So in our process is, is pretty intensive in terms of the vetting that we do and the people that we work with. So, you know, I sort of do all the work that you might on the first couple dates. So before you even go on, you know, date one, I do that work ahead of time to make sure that this is a person who has similar values. They want the same things out of life. You guys have personalities that would mesh. It's somebody that you're physically attracted to um, and whatever other parameters my client sets as set as things that are important for them. I make sure those things are in play. So 
I do usually a two hour vetting with each client at least. I do a home tour. So where I look around your house, like MTV Cribs. And then I do a reference check where I talk to a friend or family member. So I do this for all my clients and all the people that I connect them with. And so at the end of that process, I set up a usually in person if they're in the same city. And I've done everything from like indoor rock climbing to axe throwing to just dinner and drinks because a lot of my clients are like, girl, I'm not trying to sweat on a first date. So (laughs) dinner it is. Um, And then I think what's important about the process that you don't get from just meeting somebody online or, you know, from going out on a date is the feedback. So after the date, I talk to both people. I talk about what they liked, what they talked about, what they thought they had in common, if there was anything that they didn't like, and just get an overall feel for how both people saw it. And I always ask, is this somebody that you want to see again? Um, because I don't like ambiguity. I just, I think it's a waste of time. I like knowing where everybody is at. Even if somebody says, no, I don't want to go out with them again. I want to know why so that I could share that information with my client or their match, because maybe there's a a roadblock or something getting in the way that you're not even seeing that that is a potential turnoff for, for a match or a date. And we need to know that. So you don't really get that unless you're bold enough. And I, I encourage this. If you've ever dated somebody or been on a date and somebody didn't want to go out with you again and you thought there was a connection, I would encourage you to ask why. You know, I had a really great time, but, you know, I never heard back from you and I respect that, but I'm just curious as to why. Mm. Yeah, I did that once. And what happened? (laughs) I feel like I was kind of gaslighted a little bit like, oh, you're crazy. And I was like, Okay, I thought the day went really well. I felt like I was led on to think that it went really well. So why wouldn't it get a follow up? And then this dude just kind of ghosted. And then I was like, oh, well, I thought it went really well. What happened? And yeah, he was like, it did go really well. Kind of like just making it seem like I was tripping. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is weird. But I feel like, again, it was like the whole culture of like, all right, on to the next date. That's how I felt, you know. But I think that is, a. I think it's, yeah, I feel like you get some peace of mind too, because when you think it goes really well and then someone just kind of doesn't hit you back up, you think there's something wrong with you. So I think it's good to ask those questions. Exactly, exactly. And the worst thing is just, you know, not knowing and holding on to hope of, oh, I thought this could be something. And then you go into your head, there's all these questions and I'm I'm just a huge advocate for knowing where you stand. And sometimes that is going to lead to rejection, but that's okay because that wasn't your person. And now you can move on to finding your person. Do you know what's really interesting about blood glucose? It's that we all know, and especially as dietitians and diabetes educators, that there are certain foods and combinations that are going to help your blood sugar stay stable. But the interesting thing is that it's still so individual. For example, when I was tracking my blood glucose with NutriSense, which is a continuous glucose monitor, also known as a small device that tracks your glucose levels in real time, I was shocked to see which foods caused my blood glucose to spike and even more shocked by which foods didn't cause it to spike. And a lot of them were contrary to kind of popular nutrition. It was also really cool to see how the spikes and dips in my blood glucose throughout the day impacted how I felt or when I was waking up in the middle of the night. It was all very useful information. 
NutriSense lets you analyze in real time how your blood glucose levels respond to food, exercise, stress, and sleep. And what's cool about this app is that there's also expert dietitian guidance. And of course, as RDs, we love to see that they're leaning on dietitians to provide nutrition advice. Your dietitian will help you interpret all the data and provide suggestions based on your goals. This is what truly sets NutriSense apart from other CGM-related programs. So whether you are somebody who has pre-diabetes, diabetes, or you're just looking to see how sleep, stress, food, movement impact your blood glucose levels, NutriSense is for you. Visit NutriSense.io slash FoodHeaven and use the code FoodHeaven to save $30 and get one month free of dietitian support. That's NutriSense, N-U-T-R-I-S-E-N-S-E dot I-O slash FoodHeaven and use the code FoodHeaven. All right, let's get to it. When I was dating, I would always tell people if and when I wasn't interested in moving forward, even though for me, that was so uncomfortable to do. (laughs) And I think, oh, my God, they're going to, I don't know, go off. But they always said, oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's really refreshing for someone to not just ghost and disappear, but to say, you know what? It's just not going to work for X, Y and Z. But you're a great person wishing you best of luck. So I appreciate that advice. (laughs) Yeah. And, and people, people really, really do appreciate it. Like we appreciate knowing the truth, even when the truth hurts. And I think if we were to get over this ghosting thing a little bit more, I honestly feel like, again, that would humanize everybody. And then you could be friends, right? Like you meet people, you go out with people that you're like, they're cool. Nothing wrong with him. Nothing wrong with her. It just wasn't my person but it doesn't mean it needs to be thrown away all the time. It's not, we're on our way to the altar or it could be nothing else. There's so many great people that you miss out on by doing it that way. Yeah. Have you ever been in the process of like trying to match make and then you're like, damn, this person would actually be a good fit for me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that would be my dilemma. And that's probably why I don't have a matchmaking business. (laughs) You're like, I want them all. Right. Um, there's definitely there's definitely guys who I am like, wow, you are an amazing catch. Like, you know, I definitely I have my favorites. Like I have my guys who I'm like, I you should not be single. Like I have to find you the exact right match. But I feel like I have found my right match for me. So so I'm not still looking, but there are some favorites. <laughs> How flexible do you have to be in order, like for people who are wanting to be in a committed relationship, do you feel that they should open themselves up to people in other cities and move for love? Cause I know, and I hope it's okay to say, but before the call, you had said that you recently moved to Atlanta because of your relationship. So do you Mm -hmm. encourage people to consider that as an option as well? Absolutely. Hands down. I look at it like this. It is the hardest thing to find the love of your life. I think you can find a new job. I think you can find a new home. And I think, you know, I'm not going to say all those things are easy, but I think they are definitely easier. So when you find who you believe is your person, move if you need to the rest will work itself out. But I do hear people often sort of 
stuck in this mentality of, yeah, but I mean, you know, she has to be willing to, to move to New York or I'm never leaving New York. And I'm like, well, are you so happy in New York that you would give up a potentially great relationship and somebody to spend your life with? Like, is, is that, is it, it's, so it's, it's this ultimatum that they already go into the relationship with, you know, here's, here's my life. Here's how it is. If you don't fit into my life exactly as it is now, this can never work. And that's not a good way to start any relationship. You know, there has to be a degree of flexibility. And so whether that be location, whether that be, you know, certain preferences, you have to go into it with just flexibility and openness to what it could look like. You know, I'm not suggesting that you change who you are or give up values that are important to you, but every single factor cannot be that important to you that you have no flexibility behind it. So when you're going into any dating situation, think about, well, what are the three most important things to me? So if I had to pick three things and I knew those three things were guaranteed and everything else might have to be negotiable, what are those three things? And this is what I tell my clients, like, what are your absolute, this has to be in place. I could never be with somebody who doesn't have these three qualities or factors. And if you're just choosing three, are you going to make location one of your just deal breakers? That's going to be the the hill, you know, that's going to be the hill we die on. So I really encourage people to against, you know, the location thing and, and, and making that so important. I really encourage against the, the height or strictly physical attraction thing, because that changes, that that differs, that fades. When you think about what the three things are, that'll help to guide you in terms of where to be flexible and where to be firm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Because what I noticed too, is that some people even change their location. They're not even like putting where they physically live or where they are. They like opt in to, you know, other people in different cities <laughs> and then they're like oh yeah well I travel here twice a month and so maybe we can like go on a date when I'm in town or something you know I think whatever works but also like New York I feel like you know is, there's a good amount of options supposedly I don't know that can backfire though in New York but I feel like there are certain places where I'm like oh man like I could see myself being like I gotta relocate like because my friend she lives in Boston and she was showing me like her apps and stuff and I was like oh my god like there really weren't that many solid options to be excited about and so I could see where it makes sense to be like all right well you know maybe I'm visiting a city and I'm going on dates there and you know you see what happens Mm mm-hmm and I mean, even now, I think the the benefit post pandemic is that a lot of workplaces have gone fully remote or at least part time remote. And there's more of an understanding of a digital and flexible life. And so I, with that being said, like a, a lot of the clients that I have work from home. And so they do have the flexibility to say, yeah, I can be, you know, where I live for two weeks, two weeks, and then I can be somewhere else. I can you know, work from DR or wherever. And so I, I think now more than ever, the location thing is is becoming a non-factor. And I think we should embrace that 
And it, it just literally are opening up so many more options just by changing that one factor. Yeah. And I think especially as black people and you being a matchmaker focused on black people, we are not everywhere. Like we tend to be in certain cities like Atlanta, DC, New York. So I think if you are someone who is black and or looking for a black partner, I think it's helpful depending upon where you live, like you're saying to open, open things up. Mm-hmm. I have a question about this whole narrative of black women having a harder time with dating, having a harder time finding love. Is this your experience or what are your thoughts on that as a matchmaker? And I think this is when I see the articles and things or I have seen them, it seems to be that they're referring to heterosexual relationships more so mm-hmm. that we're having a harder time. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think we do have a harder time where I think the perception is wrong is why we're having a harder time. So I think it's often there are just not enough black men that are on the same level. That is the narrative. But if you dig into the numbers, it's actually not necessarily true in terms of if we're talking about somebody who is educated within a certain income bracket and is also unmarried, like they're relatively equal, right? It's not astronomically different. But the the problem is as black people and as black professionals, we're not always having the luxury of being in the same space at the same time. And what I mean by that is as you ascend in your career, you are typically not around as many black people. So, you know, let's say I, you know, work for a corporation. I've now gotten promoted. I'm the director. So I make a little bit more money. So I decide to get a better place in a better neighborhood, right? All these things and all these factors affect the amount of Black people I am just naturally around. So if I move, if I switch to a different neighborhood, maybe it's a, you know, a better neighborhood, better in quotes, I may not be around as many Black people. So when I walk into the coffee shop and I am interacting, I don't have the opportunity to say, Oh, look at who's that over there. Let me see what's up. You know, when I'm at work and we go to happy hour after and, you know, there's coworkers and other people in the neighborhood, not a lot of black people there either. So we just have to be more intentional about one, where we spend our time and, and two, creating those spaces, which is what I'm trying to do with the broom list is create that space and say, yeah, we all don't work and live in the same place, but let's be in the same space intentionally. And that way we can meet each other. So I want to work to like squash that myth a bit because I think it, it brings us to a pessimistic place. Exactly. So when you believe that something is not out there, you start acting in such a way, you know, you become really negative about it or it's just like, well, I'm just never going to find the thing because, well, it just doesn't exist. And then you, you sort of give up. But I want people to know it is out there. It does exist. I talk to these men every day. And like I said, I have my favorites where I'm like, how is this? So it, it's there. It is definitely there. It's just we're not always in the same space at the same time. Well, let me bring an added layer of pessimism here because word on the street is that black men don't be checking for us. I feel like these are the conversations that a lot of my girlfriends have like, 
black men, especially when they get to a certain level of, you know, quote unquote success, it's like they're checking for non-black women, women. And if they are black women, it's like light skinned women or women who fit like this white beauty ideal and looking at like, you know, very successful athletes and actors. It's kind of like a common thing that we see all the time. And I know for my friends, like that's a big frustration. It's something that I've personally seen a lot where like, especially for my friends who are darker, they have a harder time with black men because they feel like they don't really be checking for them. Whereas I feel like with black women, we're just way more loyal. And when it comes to like black men and, and I feel like they're always a priority for us when it comes to dating, but I don't feel like it's, it, you know, it's not the same way the other way around. So what are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. And I think some of that is true, but I also think there's some myth in there. So 70% of married black men are married to black women, right? Mm-hmm. So the large majority of black men that are married are married to black women. And so I think in popular culture, that's not necessarily what we see. So when we're looking at athletes and actors and, you know, people we are just used to seeing in the public eye. That's not what we see. So it, we associate, okay, well, all the black men I'm seeing, I'm seeing with white women. But when I'm looking at things and I'm, I have a very curated social media, meaning I follow certain pages, I look at certain things. And what I am seeing when I am looking at regular people, everyday people that not athletes, not actors. I see a lot of black love, you know, like, again, maybe that's because I, I have curated it in such a way, but I see a lot of black love. So again, I don't want to let the myth of what we see in popular culture overtake the idea of what's actually happening. Now, are there black men who prefer white women and women of other races? Absolutely. But they're not really my concern. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think it's our job as black women to argue that, debate that, fight that. If that's what you want, you're not, then you're not for me. And that's okay. Like, do you, like, I hope you're happy. So I just think let's focus on the people that do want us. And let's not assume that, you know, nobody does. Cause it's, it's just not the case. And I will say there is a degree of colorism that, you know, in the black community that we are affected by with what is considered the beauty standards. Right. And I'm not going to say there isn't. And, you know, if I'm being 100 percent honest, I don't know how to fight that battle. I can't make somebody attracted to what they're not. But what I do encourage people to do when they tell me. I want a woman that looks like this, you know, light skin, curly hair, this, that. I ask why. I ask, is it because like you think that's what's beautiful? Is it because that's what you think is the only thing that you think is beautiful? Like, why are you attracted to that? And and do you recognize what you might be giving up because of your attraction to only that? Like, so I, I I more so try to make people understand their motivations for what they are attracted to, but I don't necessarily try to change what they are attracted to. But I do think it's good to have people just understand where that comes from. Yeah. I'm curious about your thoughts on older men 
who are single. So for example, I feel the matchmaker of my friends, like I love trying to set people up. And yesterday, actually, (laughs) I met a guy who I was like, oh, who can I set him up with? And he was he seemed like a great guy, friend of a friend. And I text my friend about him and she was like, oh, girl, I don't know. Like he's over. I think she's like he's over 38 and not married. Like that's a red flag. What are your thoughts on that? How old was she? <laughs> 38? 40. <laughs> is it a red flag for men? Is that a red flag? Or is that a double standard? Total double standard. Sometimes people have just not met the one, right? But also a lot of the people I work with, they are in the, they tend to average age like 37 to 42. And the the reason that they have not met the one is because for a lot of them, I won't say all of them, but is because they spent a good chunk of their, you know, 20s and 30s building up their careers and their education. And then they get to a place when they're like, you know, 37 and they're like, oh, oh my God, like I I really want this thing. And then they start to sort of feel the urgency of that. So I would look at a person's life holistically, you know, and, and simply ask if you're curious. So like, you know, you seem like a great catch. How can I ask why you haven't been married? Have you just never met the person? Is marriage something you even want? Just judging it as a, oh my God, it's a red flag. He's 38 and never been married. And 38 is not that old. I know. <laughs> right. I feel like that's everyone, at least yeah. now, especially people are getting married <laughs> in their right. late 30s. Yeah. It's not old right. at all. But it's just, again, these stereotypes that like, oh, something must be wrong with the person because they're not divorced or whatever. I'm just curious, like, what are your success rates with matchmaking? Yeah. So our success rate is 84%. So (gasps) we judge that. Yeah. So we judge that on amount of people that meet somebody that's, that they continue seeing in some capacity. (gasps) Oh, that's great. It's amazing. I'm going to tell everyone about you. Okay. (laughs) So that's why, that's why the vetting is so important. Cause I don't, you know, by the time you get on the date, I want it to be somebody I almost am like, are 100% sure about that you're going to yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. Do you, in terms of pricing, and I was going to ask this at the end, and you don't have to say exact pricing, but mm-hmm. how affordable is this for people? Like, is it a $1,000 investment? Is it like a monthly thing? $10,000? Yeah. People don't know a lot about matchmaking, or at least as much as they do at this point about online dating and using apps. And so they really don't have a concept of the cost. So sometimes it does surprise people when they see any matchmaker, not just me. I've talked to other matchmakers about this and they're like, what do you mean it's in the thousands? So it's it's in the it starts in the thousands generally. Right. And just dependent on the service and how personalized it is can be more or less than that. But you should expect to pay at least several thousand dollars for matchmaking, no matter which service you go with. And so, you know, that being said. It is an investment. And how I look at that is, well, how much did I spend on my car? You know, my last car was $40,000. And if you would have said to me, hey, you know, I'm going to introduce you to your partner and this is the type of guy he is and you guys are going to work out and you're going to be happy, it's $40,000. 
give up your car. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, I'll take the broken down car for the life of happiness with the man I want. So I look at it as as that as an investment, right? So, and I think it's the most important investment that you will ever make because it will affect every other area of your life. So the partner you choose will affect your happiness, your health, your career, your children, your family. So I think it is the single most important decision you will ever make is, is who you decide to partner with. Yeah. The make or break you. And you're working with people who you said are 37 to 42, which is so refreshing, by the way. And those people most likely, as you said, have been focusing on their career. So they're probably in a place where they can make that investment. So it totally makes sense. And as soon as you said you do a house visit and you do a two hour, I was like, okay, yeah, this is going to, this isn't going to be like, (laughs) you know, something that is cheap and it shouldn't be. Yeah. Like it's not going to be a dollar store type of deal. (laughs) And the interesting thing is for me, I would like somebody who was making that investment if I was looking for a partner, because I know they're serious I was talking to someone else (laughs) about trying to hook them up. And if you're listening, girl, I'm sorry to air this, but (laughs) she was saying that she didn't want to pay for the dating, a dating app or whatever. She's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to pay for this. Like they're making me pay for a couple months at a time. And Mm -hmm. I was like, girl, you have the money. It's probably like $30. You are looking for love. And if, you are trying to find someone on here like this is a better bet, in my opinion, because they are paying for this, too. And that means they're serious. So I think what you're saying makes total sense about, you know, putting in the money to get the results that you want. And it is the most important investment you will make. Mm -hmm. And think about all the things that we spend money on so frivolously, you know, so whether that's like a, am going on a trip for the weekend or I'm going to brunch or I'm buying this new bag or whatever it might be. In my opinion, these are not the things that are going to bring us lifetime happiness, you know? And so whatever it is that you decide to invest in and spend your money on, really think about the long term of that. Think about what that is going to bring you long term. You know, so like I said, I spent $40,000 on my last car, but like, and I loved it, you know, for the first couple of weeks, I was like, oh, look at my car, look at me. And then, and then I was just like, eh, it gets me around from point A to point B, you know, but with my partner daily, I think, oh my God, I love this man. I think, oh my God, I'm so glad I met him. And like, so think about just long-term investment when you think about any purchase, but if you're thinking about matchmaking or paying for an app or, you know, anything that will bring you joy for throughout your life. How much time and energy should someone be putting into dating? Because I know for some people like, you know, they go all in, but then if it doesn't work out with someone, they just end up getting really burned out. Or like some people keep spreadsheets, for example, of like the dates that they've been on. He's talking about me. (laughs) Girl, I wasn't trying to shout you out, but I am. Like, you know, just like really going in on like, you know, taking it like super serious. So like, Yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? I think it should be taken. You should do it intentionally, but like, don't let it stress you out. Don't feel like, okay, I just got home from a date. Let me log exactly how it went. (laughs) 
and let me give a, a star rating by by his name and let me make sure to send a follow-up email like don't make it a job right like don't right. make it a job but it should be fun dating should still be fun when you have a mission to meet somebody and to find somebody that you genuinely value and connect with that should all still be fun and if you are finding that you're not having fun at any point take a break if you are finding that you are interacting with people who you don't feel like you can be yourself around, who you're not having fun with, that's a good sign that that's probably not your person. So keep that at top of mind. Like, am I having fun? When you're out on a date, really think about how you feel on the date and what that person brings out of you. You know, so am I feeling relaxed in this interaction? You know, am I feeling like I can be myself? Am I laughing? You know, like think about these things, not, you know, don't put the pressure on of, I mean, does he, does he, is he the marriage type? Does he want, does he want marriage? Does he want kids? What are his five-year goals and plans? Like date one should really be about, am I having a good time? Am I getting to know this person? You know, you don't have to plan, you know, five years out on day one. That's going to stress you out. Like, yes, it is important to understand that you and a person are on the same page. So it's okay to ask questions like, you know, oh, I, I, I love kids. You know, I, I spend a lot of time with my, my friends, kids, and like, I can't wait to have some of my own someday. That's fine. That's sharing a part of yourself. And hopefully they're, they also share that part of themselves, but don't put so much pressure on, you know, just figuring out what this relationship has to turn into or has to be. First date is really just having fun and figuring out if you want a second. It can get more serious and we can dive deeper after that. So dating should not be stressful. I loved dating. Like I loved going out on dates. Like me too. Yeah. But yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Part of what I do is me vicariously living through my clients. Like Literally, I'll be like, I have a date tonight, like, and I get all excited and I sit there by the phone waiting for them to get home. So I can be like, oh, my God, how did it go? (laughs) Yeah, that's such a good point, because like there is like so much stress tied to tied to expectation, really. And I feel like when you enter it with the open heart, it's like it also affects the dynamics of the date, because if you're entering it stressed out and like just kind of closed off, you're going to give off that energy to the person that you're going on a date with. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Just to clarify on the spreadsheet. <laughs> so the spreadsheet is not like I was very chill with dating. It wasn't like, oh, if anything, the guys were more intense than me that I was dating. The spreadsheet was just a funny thing because me and my friend were kind of dating at the same time. And we were trying to remember how many dates we had been on. And it doesn't even have names. It's like Apple one, like a guy worked at Apple and I can't remember saying Apple two, (laughs) personal trainer three. Like it was just stuff like that. And so it was just funny to kind of find that in my (laughs) Google Drive. Um. (laughs) And I have no recollection of any of these people. But anyways, so when it comes to someone who's trying to meet someone special and let's say somebody is burnout from online dating, do you feel like people should broadcast that they're looking for love? Like tell your friends, family and say, hey, if you know anyone, try to hook me up. Absolutely. I look at the 
the dating game very similar to the the job game. You know, if you were looking for a new job, you would apply to different places. You would tell your friends and family that you're looking for this type of job in this type of field. You would network. You would go out to networking events specifically for that industry. So I think you should use all available resources when it comes to dating, including still going out. So even if you're online, still go out, still sit at a bar, still talk to people, still sit, still smile, still engage in conversation, like use that muscle. But yeah, your friends and family is a really important part of that too. Like if you let them know what you're looking for and the type of partner that you're looking for, like that's another set of ears and eyes out there for you. You know, as a matchmaker, I regularly go up to men, women in the grocery store and I'm just like, hey, just curious, but are you single? If so, you know, I have clients that might be a good fit for you. I'd love to like chat a little bit more. If I have a friend that I know is single and I meet somebody that is, you know, a good potential fit, I'm, I'm going to connect them. And, you know, any good friend would do that if they know what it is that you're looking for. And so I'd say have as many advocates as you possibly can in the search for love. Hmm. Well, in wrapping up, can you tell us about some things that might be helpful in preparing for the first date? Like, do you think it's helpful to look this person up? I know that's a common practice or maybe like FaceTime with the person before you meet up in person or I don't know, just kind of like give yourself a pep talk before you like go into this date. What are what are some things that might help? I think from a safety perspective, it's always good to just do a little bit of a search, you know, so just Googling somebody, making sure that the things that, you know, they've said thus far are correct. Like if they say they work at X company and you look up their LinkedIn or where they went to school, things like that. I think that's totally fine. And and you should do that if, to, if that helps you feel safe. For some people, it also helps them feel a little bit more at ease and a little bit more safe to have, you know, a phone or FaceTime conversation beforehand. I think that's totally fine. I do think in interactions like that, though, you don't want it to be too much of a, of a date before the date. Like you want to save something for when you guys are in person. Um, because I think there's so much more nuance when you're in person and it's better to just judge somebody that way versus, you know, over text or sometimes even over like zoom, there's, there's just little, little things that can get lost in translation. So I think in-person dates are best whenever possible. But what I do discourage against is when people, you know, are going 52 weeks back on somebody's Instagram (laughs) and, you know, are making, are making judgments about that person based on that. And, and not only making judgments, but making decisions. So, you know, oh my God, I just, I, I don't like the way that, that he dresses and, you know, it seems like he was still hanging out with his ex 52 weeks ago And, you know, creating these narratives and stories without ever having met a person, I would caution against. So again, do a a scan that makes you feel safe about going out with this person, but don't make judgments or decisions on who they are, you know, based on what you're what you saw on their Instagram, you know, 52 weeks ago. Yeah. Great advice. I have one hot tip really quick. Mm-hmm. of the place that I think if you're sick of online dating, the best place to meet somebody and it's the dog park. Mm. 
Yes. Since I got my dog and I go to the dog park all the time, I find there are such cool, attractive people. You could spark up conversation. You could, it's easy because you're talking about their dog. People love their dog. So if anyone is looking for love, check out the dog park. Mm -hmm. And that, that actually brings up a good point in that whenever you go somewhere that has a specific interest, it's easier to talk to people. So, you know, if you're really into wine and you go to like a wine bar, it's easy to spark up conversation, of, you know, about, well, do you like this red? Oh, well, I prefer, you know, I'm not a wine person like that, but, you know, you can really get into talking about that specific topic. Or if it's at the gym, you know, oh, like what sorts of workouts do you do? And for women out there, by the way, where I see a plethora of men is at the gym in the morning. Hmm. Like, okay. that's true. There, I feel I am like, I am way outnumbered. Like, so, you know, when we walk into spaces and we say like, it's like, there's like 80 women here and two men, like at, at brunch on a Sunday, you know, girls brunch. Yeah. You know, on a Tuesday at 7am at the gym. No, you're going to be outnumbered. Yeah. There are a lot of people at the gym. Okay, so where can people find you? How do they work with you? And also, what types of relationships do you focus on? Just so people are clear, is this heterosexual relationships? Do you focus on queer relationships at all? Mm-hmm. So I work with all Black professionals. So whether you are heterosexual, gay, queer, or however you identify in that way, I do work with all sorts of Black professionals. Everybody that I work with is over 28, has at least a bachelor's degree, earns at least 75K. And then the most important factor is that they're actually looking for a serious relationship. So if you are at a place where you're like, I, I just want to go out on a couple dates here and there, this process probably isn't for you. So this is more for people that are looking for genuine and lasting connections. That's what I help them find. You can find me at thebrewlimist.com or tanishawood.com. Uh, my Instagram is at Tanisha Wood. And yeah, I'm always looking to work with great people. So please reach out if you are in a place where you are single and ready for genuine connection. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Food Heaven podcast. If you haven't already, make sure to connect with us online. We're most active on the gram at Food Heaven, but we're also on Facebook and Twitter at Food Heaven Show. If you like this podcast, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. Yep, our podcast is released every Wednesday and each week we take a deep dive into topics like health at every size, food and culture, intuitive eating, mental health, and body acceptance. If you're looking for a sustainable and inclusive path to wellness, come hang out with us to learn how to take care of yourself from the inside out. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.